0: Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Tim. And I'm a believer in Jesus who struggles with... We don't have enough time, so we're going to just move on here. It's good to be back. There's, there's no Star Wars clip today, but there will be another clip um, a little bit later. I have a few housekeeping matters uh, to take care of first. There's a, an outline in your worship folder, and... I have a letter here. We're a little late getting this back, and so they, they finished their count and got it back. You remember between uh, Mother's Day and Father's Day, the baby bottle fundraiser? Your congregation was very generous with over $4,315. <clears throat> and there's a bunch of wows and PTLs, and down at the bottom it says, your church is definitely in the baby bottle hall of fame. Thank you so much You guys are, you just, you rock I'll tell you what, uh, I, I missed you We, we were gone, um, as as you probably were aware Maybe you didn't even know we were gone Which, that was kind of the hope um, But just because, I, I want to let you know Here's, I want to you know very, very quickly, quickly what happened It's not going to be like a bunch of vacation slides Okay, don't worry I'm not even going to show any pictures right now I am just going to explain what happened So that we're all on the same page my, we take vacations like every two, three years, often with family. And there used to be motorhome vacations until ours wouldn't go very much past Rush City anymore. <laughs> and then we started doing different kinds. But about uh, uh, a year and a half, two years ago or so, um, my uh, Julie's brother, Julie's sister, and brother-in-law, my brother and sister-in-law. Um, got us together and said, we need to, to take a trip. Just the siblings, the, the six of us, and, and her mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, my in-laws, my father-in-law was coming up on his 80th birthday and his heritage is Norway and he'd never been there. And they said, we want to take him to Norway. Now, I don't know what you heard when I said that just now. What I heard when they said that is, we, as in they, want to take him to Norway. Sweet! Good idea, not knowing we also included me. As much as I've always wanted to go see all that stuff, that's faded over time. But his, his 80th birthday was last year. We ended up, it, by the time that was starting to come around, we realized, yeah, that ain't going to happen in that short of time. So we actually saved for another year and we left on his 81st birthday. But the the six of us got to pitch in and we each paid for part of theirs so they didn't have to pay. And we went over um, and and took them to, he got to see Norway and the fjords and stuff and and had a, a stop off at the beginning in London for a few days and then got to see Norway. So I will tell you a little bit about it. If you saw the Instagram or Facebook post that I put up, you saw a couple pictures of the things that we got to see. I was in a pulpit, and if you, don't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you have to go back and, and look at that. But I'll tell you what, as I stood there, I didn't preach there, okay? It was a 700-year-old church, and as I'm standing there in a pulpit, all I could think of was, I can't wait to get back to Journey North Church because you're you my people, this is my family, and I'm just excited to be here. So we are going to continue in our spirit wars Series. It's kind of been throughout the summer. That's the kind of things we do during the summer. But this has been a big deal. We're actually in week 10, and we usually don't go this many things. Um, But this is a big deal because if you're a follower of Jesus, it directly 100% involves you because you're in a spiritual battle, whether you know it or not. Maybe some of the things you thought were physical battles or relational battles or financial battles were um, you think that's the main thing. And really the main thing is it's a spiritual battle. It's just playing out in that. So we've spent nine weeks talking about that. The last couple, um, and today, we're going to be talking about authority. Um, in in uh, episode eight, we talked about claiming the authority of God's son, Jesus, and how that's a big deal, to claim his authority, to be under that authority. Remember, we talked about praying in Jesus' name, and how you can't just tack that onto the end of something, and it's magical. I don't know if you remember my example. Um, I'd like a new Suburban in jesus name and then it shows up the next day it doesn't work that way okay um but there is an authority and a power in that name when you have a relationship with jesus not because you go to church but because you have received jesus as your savior and have that intimate personal relationship with him and are trusting him for your salvation that power the power that raised jesus from the dead all power in heaven and earth, all authority in heaven and earth has been given in him, given to him, that can be yours. And we talked about if you did if you weren't here for that, it's all online, iloveourchurch.com. go back to, to number eight and listen to claiming the authority of God's Son. Then we talked about trusting the authority of God's Word, the Bible, and how everything we do is based right here in God's Word. We talked about how God's will is never contradicted by god's word god will never ever ever tell you to do something that this bible tells you not to do i've had people all the time come up to me and said you know i had this tough decision to make and i heard what the decision was it's like yep not a tough decision but go ahead with your story anyhow they say i had this really tough decision to make and i prayed about it and this is what i think god wants me to do i'll give you an example that's not a real life example somebody would say i'm trying to decide if i'm supposed to rob the bank I'm just, I go both ways. I have friends on both sides of this, good people. And so I'm praying about this, and I'm pretty sure God is telling me to rob the bank. Guess what? That's not God. Now, that's an absurd example. For some of you, maybe not, so I don't know. But don't, by the way, don't do that. If what you're struggling with is something that's in God's word that he says, don't do that, then it's a no-brainer. You know what? You don't even have to pray about it. Just don't do it. Because when we, when we trust in the authority of God's word, that spiritual battle that we're in, the problems that we're having, God can get us through those things if we're doing it his way. So that was nine. Now we're in 10, part 10, episode 10, walking in the authority of God's spirit. So claiming the authority of his son, trusting the authority of his word, and now walking in the authority of God's spirit. See, here's what I've learned over my many years of ministry. We tend to want power over things, but we don't always want to submit under the power of things. This is true in how I see so many people in a church setting. That's how they approach the Holy Spirit. You know, we want Him to do great things in us and through us and around us. But not necessarily over us. How do you know if you're really living under the authority of the Holy Spirit? There's a very easy way to know. Look at the fruit in your life. Look at the fruit of your life. So I'm going to emphasize something here right at the beginning, and I may try to do this throughout it because it's really important. We're talking today about examining our own lives. Me examining mine, you examining yours, not the lives of others. This is not so that you can say, see, they're wrong. This is for you to look in and see if that fruit is there to see if you're the one who is following under his authority. In other words, be a seed sower, not a fruit inspector. You're not called to inspect somebody else's fruit, okay? You're called to make sure yours is what it should be. Your job is not to determine who else is living under the authority of the Spirit. I know some people think that's their calling. I've been called to judge people. No, you haven't. You just do it because you like to do it. We need to know that it's us, it's me. That's what you need to know, is that you who is living in obedience to him. We're going to walk through very quickly a passage in Galatians 5 today that talks about this and we'll just look at the verses in kind of chunks and and it's on your outline. You can kind of follow along. We're, We're using a New Living Translation for this part of it this morning. And here's what it says starting in verse 16 of Galatians 5. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Many of the other translations translate it very literally and it says walk in the Spirit. That's what it means to let him guide your life to walk in the spirit. But uh, you can think whichever way helps you the, the, the most. I actually like the idea of, of knowing that he's got a path and I'm walking in him. I'm walking by the spirit. He says, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Your sinful nature, the sinful nature wants to do evil. Now, I know that's none of you. That's that's just me. I'm the one who has that nature that wants to do the wrong thing. It says, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So you see there's this battle going on. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have this battle going on inside. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. This is written by like super Christian Paul who we would think by this time he's gotten beyond that. It's not an issue. And he says, are you kidding? We all struggle with this every day. It's constant. And he says, well, those two forces fight. You're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, when you're walking in the Spirit, when you're letting the Holy Spirit guide your lives, you're not under obligation to the law of moses in other words all those things that you're fighting to do i know this is right i know this is wrong i shouldn't do this many of those things we struggle with because we're not walking by the spirit we're not letting him guide our lives so here's the first thing i actually i have all the points on your outline you don't even have to fill them in today i just want you to just relax and listen to this but this is huge your new life starts with a change of your heart now what many people think when they hear this is oh yes I I go to church now and I have a change of heart. That is not what this means. It does not mean that you just changed. I changed the thinking. See, when the spirit takes over, when you become a follower of Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit in you. You didn't have him before. You get the Holy Spirit in you and you get a new heart, new passions, new desires, new motivations. So you can win the battle against your own sin nature um, in, uh, on Friday, in, in my quiet time, one of the, the verses that came up was Ezekiel thirty six twenty six. It says this. God says, I will give you a new heart. He's not just going to tweak your heart. He's going to give you a new one. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. See, when we become followers of Jesus, we get a new spirit in us. We get a new heart in us. So the secret, here's the big idea for today, the secret to walking in the power of the Spirit is to live in submission to the authority of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not just, I come to church on Sunday, so everything should be okay. Are we living in submission to the authority of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Knowing that He's God and He wants what's best for us. Our passage continues in verse 19. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Now, I'm going to read the results of it, and and I think you're going to agree with him. The results are very clear. When you're not following the Spirit, when you're following your own sinful nature, um, if you're like me, this will be a list of some of the results. It will say in, in the next section of this verse, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. And I can see it on your faces. Some of you are saying, that's my ex (laughs) that he's describing. (laughs) You realize your ex is probably saying the same thing right now. Here's the truth. So many of those things we could look at and we could classify, oh, that's really bad. You know how many of these things we can place ourselves into? Just because of our, our heads, our thoughts, and what we do. But when we follow the desires of our sinful nature, you know what, there, there's another way to say following desires of your sinful nature, you know what that is? Follow your heart. You know what happens when you follow your heart? This. Because the Bible says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We don't want to follow our heart. We want to follow the Spirit. Let the Spirit give us a new heart and guide our hearts. He says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Before I talk about that, here's the thought for that passage. When you're the boss, things get broken. Anybody have a testimony for that. (laughs) By nature, we produce bad fruit. What that means is left to our own, doing our thing, our way, we produce bad fruit. Here's an important note. And by the way, you don't try to. You don't go into it saying, oh, I'm going to produce bad fruit. I'm going to wreck my life. I can't wait. We don't do that. The fruit is just the natural expression of living that way. That's what happens. But Paul is not saying anyone who commits one of these sins can't go to heaven. When he says you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God, it doesn't mean you won't go to heaven because if that was the case, guess how many of us would be doomed without hope? All of us. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that if, if that characterizes the fruit of your life, the fruit that your life is producing, then you need to examine the root of your life that's what's coming out in your life you need to do some examination because these sins are not characteristic of a citizen of the kingdom of God and if that's what's naturally happening you have to look at maybe the root is what the problem is following the wrong thing the passage goes on verse 22 but the Holy Spirit he talked about the kind of fruit that our desires produce but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control he says there's no law against these things now most of you probably did not think oh that that's my ex (laughs) you know and your ex probably didn't think that about you either and you probably didn't think that about your friends or your spouses that's not what characterizes them. maybe maybe it is but just not that whole list like it is but you know what this is very important fruit the word fruit in that verse is singular it doesn't say fruits it's singular it's fruit it's not plural it's not that you can pick two or three of those and be good to go it's this is the fruit that the spirit will bear in your life when you walk with him so the thought here is when the spirit has control you bear beautiful fruit when you have control you bear broken fruit when he has control you bear beautiful fruit and you might not even go into it thinking that. You might be struggling with things He says, I know he wants me to do this and it's tough, but I'm going to do this. And you follow him and you walk in the Spirit and you look back and you see the fruit that was produced because of that. It's that these nine traits that he just mentioned, that represents what we look like when the Holy Spirit is living his life through us. You can't muster these things up because you have that other nature that's fighting here that is really good. And you're not the one who can make these things all happen. This is not the fruit of you. This is the fruit of the Spirit. When we follow him, this is what happens. He says love. Love is receiving and blessing everyone unconditionally. We say that all the time here. We welcome everybody. We, we will receive everybody. It does not mean we agree with everything you do. Because Jesus welcomed everybody. Jesus received everybody. But he did not agree with everything they did and he never leaves anybody unchanged. So he'll take you and welcome you just as you are but don't expect to stay the same because he will make us into better people. But when we're following the Spirit, we receive and bless everyone unconditionally. So if that's something you're really struggling with, then it might not be that you just can't muster that up enough. It might be that you're not really walking in the Spirit because that happens when you're walking in the Spirit. Joy, joy A whole bunch here. It's so much more than just happiness. Joy is that settled assurance and hopefulness about life, regardless of your circumstances. How many of you would like to know that right this second, even if you're going through horrendous things in your life, in your relationships, in your finances, in in any area of your life, that in the middle of that, you could have joy? See, that baby wants it. Yes, I see that hand. <laughs> God doesn't say he's going to change your situation. may change something with the baby, but, you know, that's a different story altogether. As a grandpa, that's one of my favorite things. Do you know that? When I'm holding one of my four grandkids, and, and and they may, you know, hmm, they may need changed. As a grandpa, you know what I get to do? Here. <laughs> My turn's done. <laughs> That's, anyhow, anyhow, love and joy, peace. We could do a whole series on peace and what the Bible talks about peace. But just for this, think of it as this, the opposite of confusion and inner conflict. I don't know about you, um, inner conflict is a big deal. I got those voices inside my head telling me, do this, do this, you know. I often feel I'm like that That show that has the devil on one side and the angel on the other side, you know, and I hear that and there's confusion and there's conflict, that's not a fruit of the Spirit. That's a fruit of me following my own thing. When you follow the Spirit, one of the things that the Spirit gives you is peace, it gives you patience, the ability to endure suffering. Most of us are not wired with patience automatically. Things happen, and it's like, no problem, we just let it, let it be. We're not like that. We fight and kick and scream and yell and and make it into a really big deal. And if somebody who had a real problem looked at what we were complaining about, they'd just roll their eyes. Say, really? That's the toughest you got, you know? It's about the Spirit allowing us to have the patience. It's about kindness, yielding to others, showing undeserved mercy. That's the opposite of what we see in society today. And what we see people doing, it's all about me and my rights and what I want. And kindness is yielding to others. That's something we're not wired for normally, but that's something that happens when we walk in the spirit. Goodness, doing and being good in a world gone bad. That's not only difficult today, it's more important today than it's ever been. In the world that we live in, as it will continue to get worse. I have bad news for you. It's not going to get better and better. It's going to get worse and worse. But when the Spirit has his way in our lives, we can do and be good in a world that's going bad. Faithfulness, keeping our commitment to godly values. That comes from the power of the Spirit. Gentleness, approaching people with a softened heart, realizing maybe they've hurt you. But like we say all the time here, hurt people, hurt people. And the reason they're hurting you is because they have something going on or have had something going on in their life. And we approach them with gentleness. And the last one, self-control. Think of it this way. Living under control instead of living out of control. And the only way to do that is under the control of the Spirit. Here's how our passage in Galatians concludes. Verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. You see, it's not about you pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and making these nine things a part of your life. It's about you taking your passions, your desires, what's part of your sinful nature, and nailing it to his cross. Saying, Jesus, I can't do this, but you promised to do it through me. So here it is. Since we are, verse 25, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. We let those things become part of us. So here's two big questions for you. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, nothing to do with church attendance or anything like that, you've already stepped across that line and said, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I'm receiving you as my Savior and trusting what you did for me. If you're a follower of Jesus, here's your two big questions. What sinful desires are you hanging on to? And your first inclination, if somebody asked you that question and you had to answer out loud, would be nothing, or you'd come up with something really marginal. You know, I get a little upset at football games, you know. By the way, large attendance here for a first service. <laughs> There's something going on later in the afternoon, maybe? <laughs> Anyhow, if you you know that there are things that you're hanging on to, here's what you can pray. God, help me leave that at the foot of the cross. Not, okay, I'll just work harder next time. Help me leave that at at the foot of the cross to walk away and make a clean break. To repent at the heart level and say, God, give me new desires. You gave me a new heart. Give me new desires you might have to pray that every day or 50 times a day for the next 50 years. But he will do it. The second big question for you if you're a follower of Jesus is this. What part of your life have you not surrendered to the Spirit's control? Maybe it's because you're afraid of where he'll take you. Maybe it's because you think you can do it better. Could be a hundred different reasons. But what part of your life are you keeping from the control of the Spirit? Just say, God... I want all of you that I can get. I don't want it to just be a Sunday thing. I want the fullness of the power of your Holy Spirit. The fullness of that power that raised Jesus from the dead. And I know that means giving to you all that I am and letting you have control over every part of my life. Because the truth is, until you do that, you won't experience the love and joy and peace like you need to. Until you give him every part of your life. The Bible is clear. Our sin nature can be left at the foot of the cross where Jesus died to purchase your freedom and your pardon. You can do that. You can be free from the slavery to sin and the fruit of the flesh. We can win that war. Maybe you've never received Jesus as your personal savior. Maybe you've never experienced that freedom. I would say right now where you sit today is your day. You could do that right where you sit in your seat and have your entire eternity change at this moment. Just by saying, Jesus, I believe that I am a sinner. I have a life to prove it. But I believe that you died on the cross to pay for that sin. And I'm trusting that what you did can pay for my sin, that I can be forgiven because you said, if I believe and receive, I could become a child of God. You say that to God from your heart and your life will begin changing from the inside out. So we claim that authority of God's son, like we talked about in in number eight. We trust the authority of God's word. We don't go on our own stuff. We go on his stuff. We look at the owner's manual, and we see what he has to say. We trust that authority. And then like today, we walk in the authority of his spirit. Walking in the spirit, walking by the spirit. That's how we walk. So I'd I'd like to to wrap this up by talking a little bit about the path that we walk. Not just how we walk, but the path that we walk. I'm going to illustrate that for you with some lessons that we learned while, while we were on vacation. You know, I can't not say something about it. Experience we had. But first what I want to do is I want to give you three important scripture passages from God's word to kind of give you the context. These are not on the screen. Um, You can write down a reference if you want But we go over these a lot here These are biggies The first one is Hebrews 12 First two verses it says this Um, Hebrews 11 talks about all these These great heroes of the faith People who have followed him and walked in the spirit And he says in, in verse 1 of chapter 12 Therefore And he's talking about all Because of all that amazing things that they did Just by faith Therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses So many people are watching Not only the ones who have gone before, but so many people around you are watching. Heaven is watching. your, your, Your savior is watching. Your enemy is watching too. But since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. And the sin that so easily entangles, that thing that keeps tripping us up, get rid of it. It's dead weight, he said. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us very important because i do not want, want i do not want to run the race marked out for you i don't want you to run the race marked out for me i want to run the the race that god marked out for me i want you to run the race that he marked out for you and here's how you do it verse two fixing our eyes on jesus With perseverance, we run that race he's marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, keeping our eyes on him, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. As hard as that was, as difficult as that was for him to do that, he did it because he kept his eyes on the prize. And that was you. The path marked out for us is not always easy. I get that. I know that some of you have incredibly difficult paths marked out for you. It's not always easy. I know this. Having Jesus in sight, having the goal in sight, you can make it. In 1 Corinthians 9, he talks a little bit more about that path and that, how we do that. And in, in chapter 9, starting verse 25, all athletes are disciplined in their training. It's like a race we're going to run, and like athletes, you've got to get ready for it. You've got to stretch out a little bit. You've got to work out a little bit. You got to, it's going to be a, a big deal, he says. Now, these athletes that are disciplined in their training, they do it to receive a prize that will fade away. And literally, the games that he's talking about that occurred in, in, in Corinth, like, like the, the Olympic kind of games, they received, they, did, they trained all year, or for four years, they, and they, they did these games to win. The crown that they won was not some amazing gold medal that you could hang or sell on eBay or whatever they do with it. It was a little wreath, that they put on their head of real branches that was going to just fade away. It says, we don't do it for that. We do it for an eternal prize. And so I run with purpose, verse 26, in every step. He says, I'm not just shadow boxing. It's not like this, you know, there's a real enemy. And I run with purpose in every step. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. We, it's something that it's not going to come easy. We're going to work at it, but it's, it's going to be worth it. And, in the, and then the last passage in Philippians 3 says this. He says, not that I've already obtained all this. I haven't arrived. I haven't won yet. And we think if anybody has, he has. But he said, nope, I'm still in the race. He said, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of all that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. When Christ Jesus took hold of me, he knew far more about me and my potential and my future than I could have ever guessed. And the same is true about you. And so what he took hold of you for is what he wants us to be able to take hold of and see that that dream that he had for you can happen. He says, verse 13, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I haven't arrived yet. But one thing I do, and this is very important, forgetting what is behind. The problems, the hurts, the pain, the stuff that have, if we turn and focus on that, we're not focused on where we're supposed to be going and walking in the spirit. He says, forgetting what is behind. Can you imagine somebody running in a race on TV and they're running for all they're worth and everybody's close and they keep turning around and looking? How well do you think they're going to do in the race if they continue to keep turning around and looking? They're not going to win. He says, forgetting what's behind, straining toward what's ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's how we live our lives. I told you there was a picture of me standing in a, a pulpit of a, a 700-year-old church. Uh, I didn't preach there, as I said. The church was full of people, but only because it was, they were touring at that time. And the pulpits rocked off, uh, roped off. You can't go up in it. It's a 700-year-old pulpit. They can't just let everybody run up in there. So um, the rules don't apply to me. So... Um, <laughs> I went up and there's this, 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 I have to call her a little old lady, okay? I understand I'm old, so I'm not dissing her because of that. She was little, she was old, and she was a lady. So she was a little old lady, okay? She was a tour guide. I walked up to her and I started talking to her. I told her what I do in America, and, and she told me how every whatever hour or so many hours, one of the chaplains will go up in that pulpit and pray like they have done for 700 years. And she said, if one of them's not there, she, she grew like a foot, we get to do it. And it was fascinating talking to her about this. And, and, and I, I looked at her and she looked at me and I said, do you, think, do you think I'd be able to stand up in there? And she goes like this. She looks around, makes sure none of her co work, co-work, and she pulls the thing off and lets me walk up there. It was very cool. That was only one of my pulpit experiences. The other pulpit experience happened in Norway. And I told you, we had this this big trip planned out to go to Norway for my father and mother-in-law, uh, father-in-law and mother-in-law. And one of the things that we were going to do, we decided to do it uh, not thinking, okay? Um, you can go and Google this later. Pulpit Rock, Norway. Pulpit Rock. Um, in fact, put the put the picture up here. Julie took this picture as you came around the corner. That's the first time you actually saw it. You come around this corner. Down at the bottom there is a fjord that that... Um, from the ship, the little boat down there, that's from a big ship going by. That's 2,000 feet. And you can see it kind of slopes back. It kind of has the shape of a pulpit, that's why they call it that. We, not in Norway, we, sitting at culvers, eating burgers and drinking Diet Coke in, in Cambridge, decide hiking to pulpit rock. Pfft, no big deal. <laughs> How hard can this be? So that's one of the excursions we picked. And me being cheap, it cost enough money that I was not going to back down. The more we read on it, the scarier, the more scared I got. As you know, the day I turned 30, I became afraid of heights. I wasn't before. This right here, this makes my knees hurt. Okay, That's 2,000 feet high. And they said you have to be able to walk a strenuous walk. Um, it 's it's the, as the crow flies, four kilometers, but we ended up putting almost nine miles on. They said two and a half hours in and two and a half hours out at a steady pace and it 's like ain 't no way they 're saying that to make you feel you know the get the you know it, it was worse, whatever they said <laughs> they they lied now. Some of you know this, that I, 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 I tore the meniscus on my knee quite a while ago, and it, it, it healed like 95%. I was thrilled. I could walk, I could jog again, everything was good. And about a month before we left on this vacation, right before we went on this little camping trip with family, um, I did something where I climbed up and down the ladder like 150 times one day to fix something on the top of the motorhome. And I walked in, and it's like, man, I can't walk. What's wrong? And I looked down, and my, my, the jeans where my knee was, it was just like a, somebody had stuffed a soccer ball into my, my knee. And it's like, what is this? And all I could think of was, how am I going to climb? Pulpit rock. <laughs> so I worked and tried to make it better, and I prepared just like he talks about preparing. But we started our hike, and we hiked for what seemed like days all I could think it was like up and down and it's literally hiking on a mountain they have no idea of what safety and security is in Norway you just do your thing you know my knee was killing me I know I'm sounding like a baby okay, but my knee was killing me I could see it was starting to swell up here's what the only thing I could think of every step I took I knew I had to take it again the opposite way because when you get there you have to come back you can't live there and so we had walked forever uphill and downhill and these people I don't know who they are the Sherpas I don't know what a Sherpa is I need to look that up the Sherpas were trying to make the path better so they would build stairs now when I th- I thought stairs sweet we can walk up the stairs no stairs are granite boulders this big one's this high one's this high they're round you know slippery and the first step you take is this big the neck I'm tall I'm tall Fairly tall for a guy. And and I have very long legs. There were steps that I couldn't get my leg up that high because the step was so high. It's like, how big are these Sherpas? (laughs) You know? (laughs) So I'm walking this path, and I get to a point where, as I said, we've hiked for what seemed like days, and and we stopped just for a second, and and I'm thinking about it, I'm praying about it. It's like, I can't do this. Because and the biggest struggle for, for me was not just getting there, but how much it cost, you know. But I, I have to finish this because I don't get money back on this. It came to the point where my leg hurt bad enough, it's like, I can't do this. So Julie's going to stay back with me. It's like, no you're the one I can't keep up with. <laughs> you need to make it to the top. It took me about five minutes to convince her to do it. So the, there, there was, of the eight of us, only five did it. The other three knew they couldn't do it and didn't start doing it. They were down on a nice boat eating waffles watching us from <laughs> way down there. So the other four left, took off going, you know, and I'm thinking, just around that corner is where it is because we've hiked for so long. But I knew that I just can't do it. I could see what was next was this big, long staircase as far as you could see of uneven rocks. Oh, by the way, they say it rains all the time over there. In in, in London and in Norway, it's always foggy and rainy. We had sunshine every single day, except that one. (laughs) It rained all day. And guess what? My waterproof shoes, nope, (laughs) not waterproof. My waterproof raincoat, Nope, not waterproof. My backpack, guaranteed waterproof by Amazon, not waterproof. (laughs) So I'm sitting there soaked to the bone. I'm not going to make it. I'm thinking, you know what, I'm not going to sit here because people are passing both ways now. I'm not going to sit here like an idiot while they pass me, you know, it's because what people think is so important, right? I'm going to walk back down. I'm going to sit in the gift shop and have a cup of coffee while they're doing this. At that moment, at that moment, Somebody walked by me with a dog on a leash. It was a wiener dog. (laughs) I watched him go into the distance. It's like, there ain't no way a wiener dog's going to make it, and I'm not. So I took off. They're way ahead of me. I took off. I'm just going for it. I, I'm going alone. I'm gonna be, you know, it's Pulpit Rock. I didn't preach there, but I'll tell you what. I prayed <laughs> a lot. I walked and I walked for another couple days. There's these little red crosses painted on the rock that let you know you're going the right direction. And I thought it was ironic. It was a red cross, but that's a whole other story. Um, they said you can't get lost. <laughs> Challenge accepted. No, no, I didn't get lost but I I, I was sure I kept hearing people cheering and every time I heard that I think oh it's just around the corner because they say you can't see it until you turn the last corner and there it is so I've obviously gone up 10,000 feet by now and I know that I'm going to see it any second and I see this guy coming the other way and there's nobody around so I'm going to ask so as we're passing I said how much further and obviously he could see (laughs) it was not going well his first words were you can do it man you can do it (laughs) It's only two more kilometers. And then he walked on. And I took the first step and said, wait. The whole thing is four. (laughs) I should have gotten there days ago. But I didn't. So I started walking. I thought, he's lying. It's just around a corner. That's when I noticed they have these little things pounded into the rock that tell you, here's how far it is back, here's how far it is ahead. And he was right. So I went. And I, I never stopped. I just kept going. I kept my eyes there. I had listened to Julie because one of the things she said that was very fascinating, you're looking at the path and it's tough and if all you do is stare at the path, look at this over here. And There was this incredible vista. These incredible things over here. And so I tried to keep my eye on the path but I also tried to see the beauty and what was around me. And, I, and they went to the top and stayed there for about 10 minutes and started to come back down. I made it to the top before they left. Turned the corner, going up. They were just starting to come down. So Doug and Jeannie, the two of them, they kind of took off, and, and Julie and her brother Jim kind of stayed up there with me for five minutes because I did need to breathe, and I couldn't do that much anymore. <laughs> so what we did is um, on the way down then, the three of us, Jim held the GoPro camera. So what you will see, I'm going to show you just a very quick little thing of him holding the camera. It's not two and a half hours long. Okay? It, it only took us a little over two hours to come back down. And it's not down, it's down and up and down and up. That's where we understand that when your parents said, when I was your age, I went to school, I walked to school uphill both ways. That's true. <laughs> so this is only the smoother parts because he has to use the hand to hold the GoPro. But watch, very short, just kind of watch. This an overview video of us. <laughs> You'll see how far from the edge I am. <laughs> I am on all fours there. as I said, Doug and Jeannie went down first, and they made it first. Um, I I do have two more pictures, though. Just do the next one first. This is a picture that we took on the way down. Um, I don't know if you can see that. Show the next picture. It has it circled. There's the wiener dog. I didn't know whether to go up and thank him or kick him off the side. (laughs) We got to the bottom, and Doug and Jeannie are down there. And Doug says, when I got down there, they got down there like two minutes ahead of us. And when I got down there, it's like, you need a trophy for doing this. You know, and I'm the oldest one. All of them are way younger than me. And, and they're saying, oh, you need a trophy for doing this. And he went into the gift shop, and he said, and they have trophies. He actually bought us each one. This, is, this, you have, this weighs a ton. This is just a little piece. This is granite from pulpit rock, and it's shaped that way because pulpit rock is shaped that way. It has their little symbol on it, and, and that was our trophy. I will treasure this until Jesus comes back. <laughs> this is one of those things that I will say, been there, done that. And somebody says, you want to do it again? Been there, done that. Don't need to do that anymore. Here's the thing. That was a path marked out for me that day. Don't let anything, even fear, keep you from walking the path God has for you. Don't let it stop you. Are you walking the path marked out for you? Keeping your eyes on the prize, keeping your eyes on Jesus, your race may be hard, but it's also amazing. Don't miss the beauty. It's hard. You may be hurting and sweating and, and regretting and wishing this hadn't happened. And Don't miss the beauty and the path that God has marked out for you. Are you allowing him to have authority over all of you? Over every area of your life, over every nook and cranny, over every room, even those secret ones that you've kept the doors closed all these years. Not keeping those parts to yourself anymore, but just giving them to him. Here's what you need to understand. That's how we win the battle. You will not win the battle unless you place yourself under his authority. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads as we pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for the way that you have have promised to give us the new heart, to give us the, the new spirit. And I pray, Father, that... For each person listening to this right now, the the path that you have marked out for them may be tough, but we know that with your strength, with your power, with your spirit, as they claim the authority of Jesus, as they trust in the authority of your word, as they walk in the authority of your spirit, they can win this battle. They can can stop focusing on behind and and, and what's, what's there, but they can focus on you, keep their eyes on you, and they can win. Father, thank you for that. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. Oh, it is good to know that I am a child of God. If you have never claimed Jesus before a Savior, today is your day. Claim him a Savior. Become a child of God. All those things that you just sang will be true of you as well. The walk that we're on, by the way, before I say that, next Sunday, next Sunday, is what we call kickoff Sunday. And weather permitting, we're jumping into the new, you know, the new uh the season school year, whatever it's called, and we're going to have a blast next Sunday um out in the parking lot. There there may be a bouncy house, I don't know. There are hot dogs, cotton candy, all kinds of fun things, but be here next week for the kickoff Sunday. Don't miss that, okay? Now, I have one more short video clip. You can actually watch it while you're standing, and as soon as it's done, then they will play their reprise because I want you to leave with this. You need to be careful how you walk, to walk in the spirit. Because if you're not careful how you walk, even if you appear to be on level ground, it's easy to stumble. So we have a couple outtakes. I want you to watch and see what I mean. As soon as that's done, they'll play. You're dismissed, so enjoy.